Welcome to 10,000 More, the podcast that explores the topics of grief, mental health, love, and everything that intertwines that all together. I'm Ruby Falk, and whatever it is that brought you to me, I'm very grateful for it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today with me, I have Shallon. Um, Shallon lost her boyfriend in 2017, and she is here to share her story with us. Hi, Shallon. Hi, Ruby. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you and and let you take it away. Okay. Thank you. So I did lose my boyfriend, um, Chase, in 2017. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, though, okay. um, because a lot, a lot of my experience didn't really occur. Like, my experience, my, like, healing process didn't really occur until September of 2019, two years after he had died. Mm. And I kind of want to start there and just and go backwards. Um, so Great. when Chase first died, I had applied to this program called The Dinner Party, mm-hmm. which if if people don't know about it's basically like grief dinners for millennials like you apply to this program you tell them what kind of loss you have you tell them where you live you tell them all of these other things and then they match you up to a table sometimes it's based on loss sometimes it's based on life experience um you know i know there are losses that are just for infant loss and just for mm-hmm. cancer loss um loss in the LGBTQ plus community, um, you know, so they try to be pretty specific and I had lost chase to what we kind of call a stigma loss. Um, uh, it was an overdose potential suicide. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't have any tables to match me up with mm. for two years. And oh I didn't gosh. realize that at the time, right? I didn't realize at the time and I had kind of forgotten about it. And then just around his two year anniversary, I got an email from this gal saying, Hey, we have a table in Cambridge. And I was living in Plymouth, Massachusetts at the time. And so this is in Cambridge, like past Boston. And she said, we have a table in Cambridge that there is room for you at. It's a long drive. If you don't want to go, we understand we can keep looking. And I was like, no, I've, I like been on the wait list for so long. Yeah. I forgot <laughs> I was on the wait list. So let's go. Yeah. So, you know, but I didn't know what to expect. And I did not know the piece that I said before that they put you together based on like types of loss experience. I didn't know that. And I didn't know that's why I was waiting for so long for a table. Ah. So I get there and, you know, everybody's kind of going around the room saying who they are, who brought them to the table. Mm. And we all put like our food down. I made these cheesecake balls. It was supposed to be a whole cheesecake, but it turned out really ugly. And I was like, if I just roll it in little balls and cover it with more graham cracker crumbs, no one will know this is ugly. (laughs) Cheesecake truffles. This will be fine. Exactly. It's a (laughs) fix for ugly cheesecakes. Um, So, you know, everybody brought food and the hostess like takes all of the allergies into consideration and stuff. And it's, it's brilliant. It's like this crazy potluck where you're just going to go sit and talk about your dead people. And none of us had been to one of these before. Like, this was all, it was our first time hosting. It was all of our first time at this group. And we, like, I don't think anybody else realized that we were paired on loss either. Because everyone slowly started to have this look of realization that everyone was saying alcohol, drugs, suicide. Ah. 
Um, and we were all just kind of like, we were, I mean, we were all so in our own shells because yeah. these things are so hard to talk about. And yeah. I'll get into that a little bit more later. Um, so, but, you know, our, um, our first meeting, so I'd gotten this email in September and our first meeting was November 4th, which was um, two years after we'd done Chase's memorial service. And I was like, this is just such crazy timing that I, like, they got back to me at the table right at his anniversary. The first meeting is November 4th. And the reason that they had picked November 4th, November 3rd was his birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, So they didn't have the ceremony. Then we all just kind of did, like, birthday stuff. I mean, they did, like, a small family religious service, but, like, the big celebration of life was the next day. But so November 3rd, I had, like, treated myself to uh, this concert with my friend Maggie, I forget where, it, I forget what it was called. It was somewhere in Cambridge, Brighton Music Hall. That's what it was. We saw Anthony Ramos, who plays John Lawrence in Hamilton yeah, and yeah, yeah. Usnavi in the um, the upcoming movie production of In the Heights. 16 bucks. I think oh it paid God. 40 bucks with taxes. And it was a Sunday night. So I think it was a Sunday night. I think so. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> for whatever reason, they didn't charge parking and like Maggie had done this a bunch of times. She was like, listen, I know this is a rough day for you. So we're going to get there really early. We're going to get you a Bacardi coconut and pineapple. And we <laughs> are going to stand right up next to the stage and Anthony Ramos can fling sweat on you. <laughs> and then like afterwards she was like, I can get a set list off the stage. And like the security guys wouldn't let us. And then the drummer was like, what, what are like these guys doing to you and she's like i just wanted a set list the drummer goes and gets us set list oh my god and then we got to meet anthony ramos afterwards and he like signed them and i told him like i'm in school to get a phd in the american revolution and federalism and <laughs> da, da, da. and he was like wow that's really awesome keep it up you're doing good work and i was like you're doing really good work because his like his whole thing was like so emotional and so like missing yeah. home and then he like looked at me and i was like you don't get a lot of not fangirl moments and like legitimate encouragement from people in my mm. age range. And you like felt it. And there was like a moment. And so like, I go to this thing the next night, like just flying high, yeah. like I'm jazzed. I'm good to go. And then, you know, by the end of it, it was just so sad. <laughs> Everyone was so sad. I am not even lying. I like had this couch cushion from Ikea in my lap and I'm a very small person. And I was just like, continually trying to melt into the couch so no one could see me and there was this one really gorgeous guy there which is a whole nother story we'll get into but she like (laughs) I was trying to leave after him and I was like I don't want to leave crying with a hot guy and it turned out he was waiting for me to walk me out and so it was like so many parts to this story well so like we're both just in this poor hostess's house that she's never done this before and we're both like trying to out chicken the other one into leaving and she's like guys I just want to go home and take a shower like I just want to go to bed and take a shower and cry <laughs> please get so, out of my house right but it was like you know I walked to my car afterwards and he this guy had taken a ton of the cheesecake balls home um because <laughs> I had I made way too many and I just remember getting into my car afterwards I was like this is the first time I have felt truly seen and not worried about what I say about Chase and that people are just gonna love him because I love him and that was it was it was so big um because you know in society like we have certain losses where it's it's you know you have old age you have infant loss you have 
cancer, you have car accidents where it's like, oh my God, it's so sad. And like, Mm -hmm. you can talk about it and you can have these happy memories. But like everyone in our group had their person's memories potentially tainted in some way, depending on who you're sharing it with. Um, And that was, that was the first time that that hadn't happened. So, Mm. um, so Chase and I had met at a Starbucks in March of 2017. And I like, I was just trying to do homework after church and um, there were no tables. There was just like a long communal table. And so I like sat down at the end of one and he was at the other end and he was like on his laptop and I was like, I'm not like concerned. Like it's communal table. Who cares? And then all of a sudden I see him out of the corner of my eye do like this, oh yeah, thing with his arm. <laughs> but then he said to the computer after he did it, fantastic. And he like did finger guns at it. And so now I'm staring and he just looks at me and looks at the computer, looks back at me and he goes, it's fantastic. And points at the computer. Like, I'm supposed to know what that means, Ruby. <laughs> like you're just having a conversation with your computer and I think it's talking back and you want me in on it. And I was like, I think I should sit somewhere else in my head. And there was a little <laughs> nagging part of me that was like, mm, I gotta ask, gotta ask what's this fantastic. And so I did, and he showed me he was doing math homework. And every time you got one right, it would give you a good job or a well done or a fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we were talking about school. We were talking about, like, where he was from and stuff. He obviously wasn't from here. He had the most, like, beach bro Southern California haircut. <laughs> and he kept, like, talking about tacos. Now he hasn't had good tacos since he moved to Maryland. And he was from San Diego. Um, and he had moved up here for school and to be closer to his brother because his brother lived in Bethesda. And, you know, we probably talked for like an hour and both of us were like, we've got homework, we've got to get back to. And then he was like, but I could see him on his like computer. He's kind of on the struggle bus. And I was like, are you doing okay? And he had this problem he couldn't figure out. And I didn't know how to do it. I don't do higher level math. Like I'm going to get a PhD in a humanities. Like yeah, I don't. partially because I didn't ever want to do math again after senior year of high school. Amen. But I like, right. But like, I, um, you know, it's this word problem. And so we just kind of broke it down. And I was like, so what does this sentence remind you of? And what formula does this sentence sound like? And like, he was able to like break it down and put in the stuff that he knew and he got the right answer. And he looked at me like it was some kind of witchcraft. He's like, it worked. And I said, uh-huh. And he goes, can you do it again? <laughs> like, it's not, it's not like I have a pigeon at my sleeve. Like I, it's just, <laughs> it's just tutoring skills. Um, I ended up leaving a couple hours later, um, I had to get home. I had to do stuff, but I'd written my name down in his notebook and I was like, you can find me on Facebook if you ever need math help again. And he had texted me or I guess Facebook messaged me that night and we started texting the next day. Um, and then a few nights later he came over and, um, I was going to teach him how to cook. He'd been talking about, he has, um, Oh God, his son just turned 14. Um, I guess he was 10 at the time. Might've been nine. Anyways, I, do, I don't do maths. I just said. So. I, I don't do maths. <laughs> um, and he was like so excited to learn how to cook because he was like, I can cook for my son. And it was a disaster. <laughs> like he ruined this poor chicken breast so badly. And he's like looking at me. He's like, what did I do wrong? He's like, I honestly don't know because I was standing next to you this whole time. And we were always like, he was like, well, yours looks really good. I was like, uh-huh. He goes, I did everything you did. And I was just like, no, you didn't. <laughs> You did not because yours is white and rubbery and mine is brown and crispy and juicy. And I like talked to his son's mom at one point after he had died. 
and I told her this story and she's like, let me tell you about the time that he melted broccoli in the oven. I have so, right, I have so many questions. Like his cooking was so bad, but he was so enthusiastic about trying to learn. You know, yeah, we just like we hung out for hours and we talked about, you know, school stuff and his addiction stuff came up because I had, I don't, I think he had mentioned that he didn't drink when we were at Starbucks. Mm. And I think he had, I don't remember super well now, but I think he had said, like, I could have a glass of wine or something I wanted to. And I'm not a big drinker. And I think I asked him, yeah, why he didn't drink. And he was like, You really want to know? And I was like, Yeah. He goes, a heroin addict and I was like oh okay wow and he was like is that do you want me to go because like this is the beginning of dinner like we didn't have aprons on or anything yet and I was like no tell me how you're doing yeah and he'd been sober for about a year and that was you know that was the real reason he had moved to Annapolis was he had overdosed twice in San Diego and was like I'm gonna die here and his brother lived in DC and he was like I can be closer to family I can get a fresh start but I still have like you know some foundation um and that's why he's here and I was just like good for you like you've got a kid and you got a dream and you want to go into the medical field and you've you know you're funny and you're sweet and you're like very down to earth like good for good for you good for you for making like this giant change for your own sake um and like we were hanging out and you know seeing each other and stuff um but I'm Christian and that was a little scary for him he was two but he like he he just you know he had a lot of issues that come with addiction or maybe addiction comes with them of mm-hmm. just being really depressed and and down on himself and was like I like God doesn't exist like God doesn't love me I don't deserve it like mm-hmm. and you know he was like I'm gonna derail this girl's because I'm not going to be able to stay on the wagon and like just you know he would kind of go back and forth between I'm going to do great and I've got like this I'm not going to relapse again and it's it's going to happen and I'm going to take her down with me and so we went out and he like measured stuff in days he was like day one I got her Facebook day three I made terrible chicken in her house day 16 we kissed for the first time um, and you know I was like look I like I, I care about you so much, but like you have a son and I have to be sensitive to that. And if you don't think like this is gonna work and like I don't know how I feel about, you know, being with someone who's like this this against what I believe in, like I just I don't know how yeah. this is gonna go. And then the next day he was like, Screw it, I don't care. And I was like, I'm just I'm not I don't know. And we didn't talk for like a week and then I messaged him and I was like, All right, like let's let's do it. And at that point he kind of talked himself into all right so like I'm like crazy about this girl but also I really might derail her life so we had like he was like we have to have these boundaries in place like we can only see each other twice a week and like this that and the other and he's like so otherwise I'm gonna fall in love with you and I'm not gonna move back to California to see my kid (sighs) and I was like all right I like and in my head I was like I think you're an idiot I may have told him that at one point too but I was just kind of like well, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to see how it goes. And then, like, 
I found out after the fact from his son's mom that she was like, oh, he loved you and was like talking about you all the time. It's like, I don't know what to do about this girl. Like she deserves an amazing future and I want to have it with her. Mm. And like, you know, but he, he really didn't share much of that with me because he was, he loved me to the point that he wanted me to have a good life, even if he didn't think he could be a part of it. And he was like, I would rather her be happy mm. without me then potentially take down some of her happiness, which is so ironic. <laughs> it's, I have like so, I have so much to say on that topic. I want you to keep telling like your story yeah. and then we're going to yeah, come yeah. back to that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I ended up, I was living in Annapolis. It's where I'm from. I'm from Maryland originally. And, you know, the other thing going on at the same time is like my meeting him and stuff was I was nannying and I was trying to do grad school and I was trying to work in a museum and I was just like, I'm not getting anywhere with anything that I want to do. I just felt very stuck. And I had been threatening to move to Massachusetts for about 10 years at that point. I'd mm -hmm. visited Plymouth at one point in high school and just fell in love with it. Like fell in love with John Adams and was like, I'm going to live in Massachusetts because that's where John Adams is from. And he is my hero. <laughs> and I just did, like, I've been like threatening this. Like I, every time I look at my Facebook memories, it's probably like once a month that something about moving to Massachusetts comes so up even funny. from like 12 years ago now. Yeah. And so like, I, you know, I just went out for a weekend and I went on some job interviews. Um, you know, I went to some museums. I found I found some like specialty lingerie stores because I was a manager for um, an international small boutique in Annapolis. Um, and it's really hard to be a proper bra fitter. Side note, um, it was like four months of training. I know what to do with like 150 different sizes from like 30 different countries in like, oh my God. you know, post-surgery, post-nursing, pre-nursing, post you know, ev everything like yeah. sloping shoulders and like different sizes and stuff. Like they really, it's really like a college course. Um, like Hello. I had a certificate and I earned it. Let's <laughs> see. So, but like, I'm thinking I can go to Massachusetts and find these boutiques and like show them my certificate and be like, you don't have to train me. I come trained. I just need to learn your brands and like your store value. Right. So, and it all fell into place and I was going and, you know, right at the same time, this was all kind of happening, he did relapse. Mm. And so, you know, and he fessed up to me because we were supposed to hang out and he was like, well, I don't know if I can see you. And I thought he was just being weird and distant. And then he was like, I have to tell you something. And I was like, what? And he was like, I effed up. And I just thought like he had a drink. And I was like, okay, what's going on? And he was like, I did heroin. And I was like, cool. Oh God. So when did you do it? are you off of it now? If yeah. you are, I'm, I'm coming over. We're having dinner. We're going to work this ish out. And then I called my best friend, Amy, and I was like, what do I do? And she was like, I didn't want you to date them all. And I was like, well, we're here now. So what do I do? <sighs> um, and like, we went out to dinner and he was like, you know, he was supposed to go see his family in August. And this is June. This is right after father's day. He's supposed to go see them in the beginning of August. And he was like, I'm not going to tell them, like, I'm going to go to a meeting. I screwed up. It's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again. And I was like, okay. And he goes, you can't tell anybody. And I was like, okay. But I'm also like, again, I don't drink. I don't do drugs. Like I was on a ski trip at one point and one of the guys had weed and my boyfriend was like, if I smoke in here, you're going to be bad. And I was like, you should not start smoking cigarettes now. Yeah. He was like, that's not, it's not what's okay. So no. 
no, I'm not going to do anything because you're just like innocent little snowflake. And so I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm on like the AA or whatever the family member website yeah, yeah, yeah. is. Like, like Al-Anon talking. or something, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But I'm like typing with someone from the site being like, what do I do? And she was like, well, don't give them money and you have to tell someone. And I was like, all right. So I like, you know, after we had, you know, we had dinner and he was like, okay. I was like, all right. So in my mind, I was like, I'm going to give you a week and you have to tell your housemates or you have to go to a meeting or you have to tell your brother, you have to tell your best friend, you have to, you have to tell a normie somewhere. That's what he called us who didn't have problems, mm-hmm. who didn't have addiction problems. We all have problems. Um, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to give it a week. And if you haven't done anything, I had already talked to his son's mom because um, I crocheted an Afghan for like a fundraiser at her school and donated it. So like I already had her contact info and I was like, all right, so if you don't talk to anybody in a week, I'm going to talk to her yeah. and like, you're going to hate me, but it's going to be what it is. And then he like texted me the next day. He got off of work early. So he went to DC to meet a buddy of his who was in town and he was like sitting at a bar drinking. And I said, well, what are you doing? He was like, I don't know. And I said, well, you said you, you weren't going to slip up anymore. You were like going to get back on the wagon. And he was like, I don't know. I was like, okay, well, you know, I love you. He was like, yeah, I know. I was like, cool, have fun. And then I messaged his, his son's mom. And then I found mm-hmm. his brother who lives in DC and I found his info and I emailed him and I, or not emailed, but I Facebook messaged him and was like, hey, I am a friend of Chase's and he's not doing well. Um, this is myself, you can call me. And the brother wow. messaged me back and he was like, how do you know him? And I was like, oh, right. You don't know that like, you don't know that I'm like Chase's little Christian girl. Um, And it was like the funniest thing because he would compare me to this brother all the time. He's like, you guys are just like, he's a doctor and he's so smart. He doesn't do anything wrong and you don't do anything wrong. And you guys would just get along so well. You guys would love each other. This is his brother? Yeah, his middle brother. Okay. And he would like talk about us. He was like, you guys would just love each other, you little nerds. Um, (laughs) And so I explained to him who I was and then he called me and he was like, so this is what, this is, this is what we're going to do. If you're okay, any part of this, you're not okay with, you don't have to do like, you have no responsibilities here. Like you told me, and this breaks my heart, but like, you know, you don't have to do anything you're not comfortable with. And you know, his son's mom basically said the same thing. And I was just kind of like, okay, so, you know, no money, you know, anything like that, but also like, you know, and I'm not going to talk to him if he's on drugs, but if he's like, okay, like, I'm withdrawing, I'm sober, I want to get, like, my act back together, then, like, let's go get some waffles, and let's make a game plan. You know, that's kind of my attitude towards it. Um, So, and his, you know, his brother said he wasn't going to tell Chase that I told him, and he did. Or he didn't, he didn't tell him, but I guess, like, I was the only person that Chase told. So, like, Hmm. there was only, there was only one way his brother could have gotten that information. And then he was really mad at me for a while. And he just kept oscillating between like, I'm so mad at you and you really screwed me over, but also like, I love you and you're a really good person. And I know you were just trying to help me out and I can't be mad at you for that, but I am mad at you for that. Um, And then he was like, yeah. And so, you know, it was kind of a bumpy road, but he did, you know, end up, he was okay by the time I moved to Massachusetts. He had like his 30 day chip back. He was living with, his brother, who was the doctor, who was the, the normie that he was like, you'll be best friends with, you know, he, he was good. He was doing good. Um, and he was like, you know, the last time I saw him, 
you know, he had helped me pack up the end of my books. We went out to dinner and he was like, and I like made a big stink about like, I want to take a picture with you. It's like, it's the last time, like we're going to hug for a while. And he was like, I'm going to come see you in Boston. And I was like, but I'm going to come back in November for to see John Mulaney, like November 3rd. That was his birthday. And I was like, so I'll see you then. And he was like, I'm going to come visit you before that. So like, mm-hmm. don't even worry about it. And I was, and I just, I was like, okay, you were, you were good. And like, I think at this point, like, you know, it, it wasn't like a super, defined dating thing and then it was like we're not really talking because you're off the rails and like it was just kind of like a we're in each other's lives and we love each other and mm. you know like we'll we'll deal with this in a couple years when I have my master's and you have some serious sobriety under your belt was kind of where my head was at um yeah. and you know I moved here I moved into my place September 1st and September 16th he like I talked to him for a quick minute at like midnight after his work and I was annoyed that he like waited so long to call me and you know I was like I was like grumpy and groggy and he was like you should go back to sleep and I was like no like I'll talk but I was like obviously like yeah I I wasn't like super into it but I was like I'll do it and he's like "No, no 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 like you're tired like go to bed. I love you. I'll call you tomorrow. And I was like, all right, cool. And I remember thinking it was weird that he'd just been like, oh, I love you. Cause he didn't usually do that because of his whole like boundaries thing. And like, I have to keep her distance so I don't ruin her life. But I was like, maybe like, this is a good thing yeah. for us that I've left and he's feeling more comfortable. Um, and then he made a phone call almost right after that to someone he knew he could get drugs from. And I got the call from his son's mom the next afternoon that uh that he was gone um and like I remember like I like I had specifically left my phone away because like I'd spent so much time talking to people from home and like not making a life in Massachusetts and I was like no I'm gonna sit I'm gonna I'm gonna read Game of Thrones I'm gonna make some spaghetti I'm not gonna look at my phone for like hours and when I finally did like I had pasta on the stove and I went to look at it I had a bunch of missed stuff from his son's mom being like call me text me where are you and I'm thinking like their son is dead or in the hospital Mm. like and I like I remember I got on the phone with her and I can't replicate it to save my life but it was just like this relief that she had me on the phone but also like this desperation at the same time because of what was happening Mm. and she's like where are you and I was like I'm at home and she was I have to tell you something. I was like, what is wrong? And she's like, chase me and die. I was like, what? And you know, what had happened was the, the girl he had been, he'd gone off of sobriety with, um, had called 911 and then called his brother oh, to God. come identify him. And that's what they were waiting for. And she was like, but it, you know, we're just like crying and praying and it doesn't look good. And I was just like, I, Wow. Like, I, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. I don't yeah. know what to do. And she was like, you know, I'm like trying to comfort her. Like, I'm not thinking anything is important about me at this moment. Like, this is your, your son's dad. Like, this is your best friend of, you know, 12, 15 years. I don't even know. And she was just like, where, where are you? And I was like, I'm at home. And she goes, do you, okay, who do you know? And I was like, cause they just moved here. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it just moved here and she was like you I can't let you be alone you have to find somebody to be with you have to find somebody to be with mm-hmm. and the only people that I had the family was nannying for they had um, a spare bedroom that when they hired me they were like 
it's really snowy sometimes, our hill gets really icy, and it sucks. If you ever feel like it's not safe for you to make it all the way home mm. or all the way here in the morning, like, just stay here. Like, this is always here for you. We would rather you be safe. And so I called the mom, and I was like, so I know it's not snowing. It's September, but this happened, and mm. um, I, I have to find some place to stay tonight that's not alone. And I, you know, I basically lived with them for a week, yeah. and they were just just so unbelievably fantastic and open and didn't like they weren't pushy they were just kind of like what do you need Mm. do you want to eat something do you not want to eat something what do you want to do like do you just want to like watch julia climb the walls like (laughs) because she did that she like did this thing with her hands and her feet and she could like walk up the doorways Um, terrifying terrifying it's like something out of the exorcist provider she was she was just she was tiny and energetic and you know she can't do it now (laughs) three four years ago she doesn't fit in door frames anymore oh my god um but she was five it was precious anyways um you know but then other than that like the support system was really rough and part of that was because I was new part of that was because you know I hadn't told people back home a ton of information about him and so like when I come out I'm super upset I'm talking about like this man that I love is dead like people were just like what and like you know I I really wish especially with my mom I had been a lot more open about like Chase and and who he was to me because I think it would have made the the aftermath a lot easier for her to understand and and be able to like come to grips with and you know for us to just just bond over more um you know and I still like I you know it's been three years and I still feel guilty that like I I made the decision to rob us of that that potential for closeness um but like yeah and like I I never had anything like this happen like my sister had cancer and I remember like when she was diagnosed I was going through like this really awful breakup at the time and I found out that like he had been like lying to me and like about like cheating on me for like the first month or two that we were dating. Like I found that out after the fact, but like all of his friends knew everybody in his life knew that he had like cheated on this girl with me. And I was the only one that didn't know. So I just felt like an idiot and like, you know, that I'd bought this story for so long. So I'm finding that out. And then my sister's diagnosed with cancer a couple of days later. And I'd asked my boss because I was allowed to work remotely. And I was like, I just want to know what the limits of that is in case like I need to be with her and help her. And they had like offered me a promotion. And when I asked them that they took it back because they were like, well, you can't be responsible if you're asking us how much time you can spend with your sister. So like, this is like, right. That was in 2014. And I remember so much, right. It was Ruby. It was terrible. It was a terrible week. And I remember being at my best friend, Amy's house. And this is where I'm like getting the information from all these people that they knew that this dude had like, done this thing and I remember sitting on her couch and having scotch and thinking well this is the worst I'm ever going to feel in my life my sister has cancer my job is in jeopardy the whole last year and a half of my love life was a sham this okay but like I know like I've bottomed out and I know what it feels like and then this happened and I was just like no I already had the worst possible time of my life you weren't supposed to die The idea of, like, the, the 
the worst has happened to me, so like nothing else bad can mm-hmm. happen to me is something I talk about, I think, with a lot of people on here because that was something that kind of like offered me peace when my dad died, which is weird to say. But like it was this moment of like, oh, like I feel like I feel I'm I am a glass half empty, really big panicker kind of gal. And <laughs> I, and I feel like I had led my life leading up to this moment of being like something horrible could happen any day now. And then it happened and I was like, oh, out of the way. I mean, it was horrible, but like now I, I never have to experience hardship again. Yay. Not the case. No. No. And so mm-hmm. I really wish like – Someone gave me that information when my dad died. I don't know whose yeah. responsibility it is, but it's certainly not mine. Right. <laughs> I'm just like, this is this is terrible. And then like other yeah. stuff can happen. And you feel like you're supposed to be immune to more hardship. And then it's mm-hmm. – yeah, I don't know. It's interesting to hear other people say that they experience that too. That's very validating for me because yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is insane. Yeah. I think the other thing you just said there was like someone should have like warned me about that or like someone should have prepared me for that. Like I remember thinking that like I would talk with friends about like, well, you know, there's only two ways a relationship ends. You break up or you get married. And I was like, or they die. Oh. Or they die. Like nobody thinks about that, right? Nobody thinks about it. No. And now I'm like in everybody's faces being like, you know, they could die. That's how it could be over. Like, I know things are on the rocks and stuff, and, like, wedding planning is hard, but, you know. They're just like, okay. I mean, yeah, you guys could break up, but also, like, he could die. Don't forget. Do you think of that? Yeah. He could die. That's how it could end. <laughs> and, like, so. Were you like you know, that my... before you lost Chase? I, no. Not at interesting. all. It did not occur to Not me interesting. Ever. I think it kind of makes sense, but. I was like, oh, we're either going to break up or we're going to get married. Like, that's how it's going to go. That was mm. never even a thought to me. And, like, so it was just, you know, it was it was really tough. And, like, you know, not having a good support community here. Yeah. Um, but in the part of that, what part of what made that tough was that, like, we're just so bad at death in our society, especially in our age, that, like, yeah. you know, I had started going to this church. And I do think these people were super well-meaning. But I also, like, they did not know how to deal with the rain cloud that I was. And so their solution was, oh, like, your faith isn't strong enough. Oh, yeah. Like, mm, you need to be on your own with Jesus and figure this out. And I'm like, but Job says to sit and weep and tear your clothes and gnash your teeth with your friends. And, Job, and like, that's that's the only good thing that Job's friends did in that whole book of the Bible was they sat with him and tore their clothes and wept with him. Mm. And all of the other, like, BS they told him after that, like, when we talk about it, they're like, no, that wasn't what Job's friends were supposed to do. That's not what God wanted them to do. He just wanted them to do the first part. And so, like... But then I have these girls who are like, mm, you really like, you're really idolizing community. You need to like, you know, focus on your faith. And there was one, one of the girls who was super sweet and she never said anything like that. She was just kind of roped in with the, like with the other gang of girls. But, you know, I still keep in touch with her and we're friends. And a couple years after that, a good friend of hers um, had a brother um, who, who lost and a stigmatized death and she like I remember we were out of coffee and she's like I am so sorry like we let you go through that alone I like I'm so sorry and I was like girl like you're fine you didn't you weren't any part of that like I I appreciate you but you do not owe me an apology for anything but like you know that was two years later like you know so the the biggest note of like 
support I could think of, like in the aftermath, I did go back to, I did go to California um, for a celebration of life. And I was staying at a hotel and it, like, we went out to dinner that night. His family wanted to take me out to dinner. And his dad was like, so listen, we're going to go on this hike tomorrow and just meet us there. But like, when you leave the hotel to get there, um, listen, just pack your bags and check out and you're going to stay with us. And it wasn't even like a thing, right? And like, so I just stayed with them and I watched Hallmark movies and drank wine with his mom Aww. and like had awkward conversations with his brothers and like his sisters-in-law. And it was just like, you guys do not know me. You do not owe me anything. Like you missed like the last year of your kid's life because hmm. you were in California and he was there and they were just, you know, that was, that that really stands out to me as like the biggest, you know, instance of of feeling like okay I don't feel like I'm just like getting through this now and like you know until dinner party because like you know I was I was protective of the happy memories and like the good things about him I didn't want that to get lost as soon as somebody heard drugs um as soon as somebody what heard the word drugs oh 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 Oh, I mean that is suicide yeah 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 that's such a and, you know, that's, that's what comes up in dinner yeah. all the time is that, yeah. like, you know, we have this really special relationship where we can talk about how things are tainted and how we're mad at our people, but also be like, but they were your people and they were wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and so, so that was, that's going back to the problematically handsome man who walked me out of dinner <laughs> the first time. Um, you know, that was, that was a big thing for both of us because we were the only ones in our group who had partner loss ah. and both of us had experienced this thing of like, well, I don't know how to tell like the next person that I lost someone. And then like, you know, they're jealous or they're like, well, you're not over it or it freaks them mm. out. And we were both just kind of like, you know, our like biggest fear in terms of dating, like that's on the table. That's literally on the dinner party table. Yeah. And it just, you know, and so he like texted me a couple of weeks later and I had made a point not to text him because I was like, this is not the time or the place, Shallon. <laughs> like, it does not matter how beautiful his shoulders are in that sweater <laughs> or how like good that like stubble is or like how square his jaw is or it's none of, no, this is not the time or the place. So he texted me a couple of weeks later and was like, hey, it is really hard to like move to a new place, you know if you ever like need a friend in the city, like I'd be happy to take you out for coffee or something. I was like, oh, that's so nice. Um, and you know, we kind of got to like texting a little bit and then we were texting a lot. And then he sends me just randomly a picture of a little black baby chinchilla. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, did like the big fangirl crying hearts react. And I was like, why did you send me that? And he's like, I just, I saw it. And I thought you would like it and it would make you happy. And I was like, this seems suspect. Um, <laughs> and then we, we went out to dinner a couple weeks later. Like, I was super, super sick over Thanksgiving. And he just, like, texted me all weekend. was like, you should watch this movie. How are you feeling? Like, I really like tea, too. And, you know, by Sunday night, I was feeling a lot better. And he, I was like, you know, what are you doing tomorrow? And he, or no, he asked me what I was doing on Monday night. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's my first night that I don't have to bartend in months. I'm so excited. I have a whole night free. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. Um, <laughs> And he was like, oh, that's great. And I was like, what about you? And he was like, oh, I had an interview at three, but nothing afterwards. And then it was just radio silence, Ruby. So I was like, do you, do you want to get dinner? And he was like, I would, I would absolutely love to do that. So we go out to dinner 
and we were there for like four hours and I had like you know freaked out of all the girls that I worked with and I was like I don't know if it's a date I don't know if we're just like best friends they're like what do you want us to be and I was like oh my god he's so pretty but I don't want to be like the weird girl that's like picking up guys and beef group and I don't want him to think I'm weird but he's so handsome and he's so nice and look at this chinchilla picture so they like they were like just dress up like you were going out for drinks with us and you'll be fine and we went and we had just this just the best time we were there for four hours just sitting at the bar and like we just had the just the best time and like but also like I didn't have to worry about telling weird stories about Chase like I was just I was just about to ask that about I'm yeah. I don't know what you're about to say but like just yeah. what you described about the the partner loss and not having to explain that to each other. Yeah. And like so, you know, one of my favorite stories to tell about airport nightmares was when I went to San Diego, I'm trying to rent this car and the guy is like this pushy pushy sales guy. And he's like, "What are you here for?" And I was like, "I'm here to see my boyfriend's family." And he's like, "Oh, where's your boyfriend? I just leave you." And he's like, well, no. And he's like, oh, have you met them before? And I was like, well, no. Oh and he just, God. like, keeps pushing on his ragging on Chase. And he's like, well, where is he? He's going to let you go, like, rent a car and go to his parents' house by yourself. And I was like, I'm here for his funeral. Oh, God. He's I'm so uncomfortable. Dead. Like, I was just, I was so over it. And <laughs> then he, like, is trying. He just, like, was like, oh. And then he, like, keeps trying to upsell me to four-wheel drive. And I was like, are you <laughs> Read the room. Kidding me. Like, Dude. Dude, and oh I just remember God. leaving with the keys and my luggage, and they had a bell on the door that said "Ring for Exceptional Service," and I just glared at the bell, and then I turned back and stared at him really hard, and I was like, "I'm not ringing that freaking bell. <laughs> not excellent service." <laughs> like you can't tell that story because it's so dark. Like it's funny, but it's so dark, and I'm like telling him this at the bar, and he's just cracking. I'm just like, "Oh he my just, God, he gets the it. Thing. Yeah, he gets it." And so you know, we went out. Um, and it was, he did mention a funny thing at one point. We were talking about like dating after like death and stuff. And he was like, I'm just so clueless with women sometimes. Like, and he's also like, he works in a professional environment. And so he's like, really, he is so particular about like sexual harassment and stuff. He's like, I don't want to do anything that someone could like ever think anything. Like, I love my job. I respect the women I work with. And it's like, it's kind of an on fire me too society right now. And he's like, it's so easy to like do or say the wrong thing and just lose everything. And he's like, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but he was like sitting with like his hands, like held up to his body, just oh like looking around nervously. He was like, he's so careful. But so then he was like, but you know, I, I just, I get really cool with women. And I just, sometimes I just want someone to grab me by the face and be like, Jason, I like you. And I was like, I would like to do that. I'm not going to right now because I'm still not sure if this is a date or for a best friend, but that's what I would like to do. And then I would like to make out with that face while I was holding it. <laughs> and so we had dinner party a couple nights, no, it was a week later. I went home for my sister's baby shower. And then a week later, we had dinner party. And I parked at his house because he had a parking permit in front of his house in Boston, which is amazing. And we took an Uber over together. And we got back. And he was like, do you want something to drink before you go home? And he, like, made me a cup of tea. And we were hanging out. And he was just, like, talking about Aaron, who was his girlfriend that died by suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, he was just talking about her and, like, how brilliant she was. And he was, like, asking, he's, like, tell me something about Chase. And he was just so enthusiastic and so excited and just like mm. there was just so much freedom and talking about our people and also like having this like insane spark with someone else. And, like, mm. you know, we're talking and stuff. And so I was like, Jason, I'm going to do something a little bold here. And he was like, OK. And I took 
his gorgeous square face and my little hands and I said, Jason, I like you. <laughs> and he goes, oh, thank God I like you so much. Oh. And we went out swing dancing the next, I guess it was two nights later, we went out swing dancing and I was like, so what are you, what are you looking for here? And he was like, honestly, like, I just want to be with you. Like, if you want to take it slow, I can like do that. But like, I just, I want to be with you. I want to. And I was like, you know, for me, I'm old enough that I was just kind of like, I, I don't want to like get into something with someone. So it's like, we're not, you know, there's no potential for a future. And so he was like, so we're on the same page. And I, he was like, just real quick, do you want kids? And I was like, yep, I really do. And he was like, okay. Um, and like, I went through my deal breakers and he was like, nope, those are all good. <laughs> and then I was like, so I'm, check, check, I'm check. your girlfriend. Yeah. Oh God. It was so like, I don't know, logistical. It was so funny. And he was like, yeah. I was like, so we're in a relationship. And he was like, yeah. And then, and then I didn't know what to do. So I just stuck my little hand out and he shook it and we shook on it. (laughs) Um, And like, that was, and then that was it. And like, you know, we, we go to dinner party together and, you know, for like three months before COVID happened, but then like, you know, so COVID happened and we ended up accidentally moving in together like we thought we were just going to be like on the cape for a couple of weeks while everybody quarantined and then nobody did what they were supposed to right or half of the population did what they were supposed to so (laughs) it's been a year and I've accidentally moved to Cape Cod but like you know his his freedom in sharing Aaron's story and his love for her and he has like a bunch of her textbooks she was at BU um, and she was all but dissertation for her PhD in political philosophy. Wow. Um, and, and it was specifically focused on the Federalist Papers and the revolutionary writers. Oh, my and, God. So Jason you know, has I, a type. Apparently, <laughs> he likes strong girls going for PhDs who are, you know, well, anyways. But so he has a bunch of her books. Like, he has a lot of her things because they lived together. Wow. Um, they, they met because he was renting a room in the apartment that she had. So like they, you know, they halfway lived together. And so, you know, he has so much of her stuff. He has like a bunch of her kitchen stuff. So anytime I make guacamole, I'm using her mortar and pestle, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so, you know, I have all of these books that are, that are his, that are hers, that are so relevant to what I'm doing with my degree. Cause I focus on John Adams political philosophy because wow. he wasn't a named federalist, but you know, the federalists promoted him as their pick for president after George Washington because right. you know all of his political philosophy aligned with the federalists and their paper the federalist papers and stuff and so that's how he became a federalist not necessarily by choice but just by necessity so like I had access to all of this stuff and like all of her notes there's one note in like Plato that she made it's hysterical um because like she's making all these smart things and then she just underlined this one thing that this one guy said who's like an obvious foil to whatever character is saying the wise thing just underlined and next to it she wrote dick like, <laughs> right oh so, yeah that's amazing then, like, I'm, you know i had this access to her stuff i wow. i know jason so well i know his experience with her and like and its effect on him and this girl so much and I'm so sad that she is gone like she so she was diagnosed with chronic kidney disease a year or two before she died and my understanding with kidney disease is that they usually can like find a cause 
or they can find if they like don't like knowing the cause makes it a lot easier to treat but also if they don't know the cause there's things that they know that work to slow it down and in her case they couldn't find a cause and they couldn't slow it down mm-hmm. and you know so she's like having you know somewhat distant but not super distant conversations about like dialysis and like you know kidney donors and stuff and like you know this girl's like 29 years old like yeah. and you know this this resulted in like severe depression and like fear and um and she ended up dying by suicide as as a result of, of all of this and like it makes me so sad that like you know we don't do enough for people with chronic illness that like it it makes me so sad for a lot of reasons but it's like this like I can see her work I can see her impact on people like I can see you know her friends comments on her memorial page on Facebook like this was a sweet wonderfully smart funny sassy kind woman and she's like knockout gorgeous like Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable how beautiful this girl's smile is like you look at it and it's somewhere like 100% debutante and 100% (laughs) like you know like movie star and but like just so kind like so much kindness just radiates out of her face and like you know it's it's like this person had a really hard time and her she does not deserve to be remembered as this sad thing that was lost like her work with the Federalist Papers is brilliant. It should be published. It needs to get finished. Like her legacy of goodness and education, I feel weirdly propelled to make sure like her name doesn't get Mm. lost. And like, but also like she was never mine. She was never my person. I never got to meet her. I I won't on this planet. Um, You know, I... And so it's, like, I don't ever want to be intrusive, you know, but I also, like, want people to know that, like, I love your girl, and I'm going to do something to make sure she is loved and remembered, you know? I think that is, like, the most, like, special thing I've ever heard. Like, I, I don't even, yeah, I'm, like, trying to compare it to something that, like, I have experienced, and I just, I can't. Because I think it's so, it's such a unique loss when you – I'm, like, really dwelling on what you said about the – the that you, you know, you could – your partner could die. Like, you don't just break up or get married. You Like, they die. And, and so to be with someone who, like, had also experienced partner loss, like, the two of you were together, but I hesitate – I don't want to say this, but it's, like, not because you wanted to be. Like, you met – not because you wanted to. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I, I, yeah. So you both understand the unique challenge of being like, well, I'm no longer in the relationship with the person I was with before you, but that's wasn't a choice. Right. You know? And yeah. And that is something that's so threatening to so many people. Yeah. But it's like, you know, he, I told him something like dumb Chase had said that made me laugh. And then like a week later, he's listening to his podcast. He was like, I heard this thing on this podcast. And it was, it totally made me think of the thing that you said, Chase said, like, he, he would probably have laughed at that. Mm. Like, it's, you know, Jason and I, like, we, we love each other wholeheartedly. We're not perfect people. COVID is very stressful. Like, 
you know, we, we are absolutely like, I don't want to paint this like, I don't know, Hallmark, like romance. Like it's, we <sighs> no, love but... each other and we are committed to the thing. And like, but at the same time, like he loves Chase and I love Aaron and I know that he loves Aaron and he knows that I love Chase and there is room for everyone in this relationship. And I, you know, we say this all the time, like it's just unbelievably lucky to have one another and to have this experience like wow because it's, is... it's just so much understanding and so just much. freedom yeah. um you know and and I think that's part of what motivates me to to protect her legacy is this like wonderful beautiful woman like you know I know I know Chase's legacy was protected by people I know like you know it's hard for me to remember sometimes and one of the guys at, at our dinner party had challenged us to like just come to dinner with a funny memory and it was really hard to think of one and then his son's mom had posted a video of him watching their son play guitar and he's playing Green Day and Chase didn't know that he knew how to do that and he's just laughing and it just brought back every time he'd sat on my couch and laughed like that it's such a specific laugh he'd like throw his head back and like it was almost like a bark <laughs> And his like whole body would giggle yeah. and he'd like hold his hands up to his chest. Like it was just, it was just the sweetest laugh. And like, I got that back mm. and I felt like I, his, his legacy is good. His memories are good. Like, yes, there's a lot of stigma that comes with, with the drugs and that it, it may have been a suicide, you know? Um, yeah. But I also know that like, I don't, I don't feel the pressure to, to keep his memory a certain way that I did initially. And, you know, with Aaron, I, I feel that I feel like I, we had the same favorite color. We part our hair on the same side. <laughs> We're studying very similar things. We yeah. completely fell head over heels for the same guy. Like I, I just want to make sure that she is loved and remembered and that her work there's academia and like that her goodness comes out in my teaching and my yeah. abilities and like I but also like I don't know how would you feel if like some rando came up to you and was like hi I know like uh you've never met me and I I didn't know your dad but like I married your cousin and I just I love the guy and I just I want to talk about him can we have a cup of coffee and just like talk about him and and I want to learn everything about him like I like you don't want to be weird and intrusive. No, I, but, so it, but it's, but it's not to someone who gets it. You know what I mean? Like, are, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't know. And, and I don't know. I think it, it, it like, especially when, especially when you did lose someone in such a, I will say, societally unfavorable way to have someone love that person and like so deeply want to honor and cherish and preserve the the memories of that person that go beyond the suicide or beyond the overdose like I just yeah I I I think that's like so special because so often it's like they do become the guy who overdosed they do become the guy who ended his life like yeah and it's you know i i i i don't think that exists for people who die other way i of course like 
obviously don't know every single person that has died, but like, I just, I guess based off my experience and I know that yeah. that's, it's such a, it's such a defining piece of who they are. Um, well, I, which is hard. I really do. It is hard. I do appreciate the validation. And I think, you know, what brings this full circle is what you said, like people who get it, you know, that's what's yeah. so special about the dinner party. That's what's so special about, you know, me to Jason and vice versa. Yeah. And I think, you know, what, what this has all taught me is, is that we as a society need to do better. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the first thing on the dinner party website is number one, join the club. No one wants to be a part of, and mm. all, you know, we're all just kind of like, we love each other. And I'm so glad for, for my dinner partiers, but also I'm so sad that they're there. I don't want anybody else to, yeah. I, I don't want more people to be at the table. I don't want more people to be in positions to put others at the table. Like yeah. we have to do better with, you know, the struggles that people are under and like, you know, chronic illness and yeah. just how we deal with depression and anxiety. Like there's so much stigma around having a broken brain where like you yeah. break your arm in a car crash and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, let me sign your cast. It's like, could you please sign my brain? Yeah. Right. Can, I know. Can it be cool to sign my brain? Like <laughs> we do such a poor job and we keep, we keep the society going in a way that's putting people at the table. And as much as I love that I have people in my life who, who get it and I can love their people and I can love them and they can love me and mine. Like I, I, I want people to know that like, it doesn't have to be not talked about. It doesn't have to be in hushed tones in a corner. It doesn't have to be, like this weird awkward conversation like we we can do better yeah we can do better with loving each other and just looking at all grief as worthwhile and all circumstances yeah. as as hard and like that's you know that's I think I think Chase would be proud of that of course I think he'd probably call me a nerd he would <laughs> definitely call me a nerd I was his little Christian nerd and he loved it. Um, you know, so I, yeah, that's, that's really what, what my experience has been. It was, it was weird and it was crappy and the people who love me and know me back home truly a hundred percent did everything that they could. I don't doubt for a second that their hearts were with me and that they were like, this is uncomfortable and terrible and I don't know what to do, but I need her to be okay. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't want any criticism towards anybody yeah. um, who is in my life or was in my life at that point to, to be heard. It's like, I'm calling you out. Like, no, I think, I think with the way our society runs and the way our culture is, I think everybody truly did their best to be loving and supportive in every way they knew how the, the problem is we are not good at telling people how to do that. And we're not good at telling people that it's okay that your person died by suicide. It sucks. It's awful. It is the, it's yeah. the worst. Right. But also what was her favorite color? Yeah. How did he take his coffee? Oh my gosh. I can't believe he watched star Trek <laughs> every Christmas Eve yeah. for 30 years, you know, like, they, they are real and their names are valuable. We actually talked about this in class the other night. I think it's probably where I'm going to end up. Um, we were reading this book for class called Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiments. Um, 
and it's um it's about you know it's the history of black and queer women in in basically harlem um in the the late 19th early 20th century Mm -hmm. but you know the author in the beginning it's an academic book and it reads like the most beautiful prose it's insane like highly 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 recommend it's by Sadia Hartman I hope I'm pronouncing her name right okay it might be Sadia it is I mean even the cover is gorgeous it's the most wonderful book but in the front of it she has a list of like a cast of characters and some of them are famous like Gladys Bentley and like um you know stuff yeah yeah Gladys Bentley Arthur Harris um Catherine Davis Ida B. Wells then she has a whole list of like girl number one window shopper you know there's a whole thing of of the unnamed girls and we were talking about this and it's Mm -hmm. like you know it's such a big thing in grief culture like not to let your person ever end up unnamed and it is so important to me that the people in my party that their names of their people yeah. get remembered. It is insanely important to me that Aaron's name is remembered because I love Jason and Jason loves her. And she's just, I think we would have been really good friends. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get really annoyed that I didn't get to be friends with her. Like there's no way our paths would have crossed. Yeah. She died two years before I moved here. Yeah. But you know, like these, these names, despite any circumstances, they are important and they are valuable and they are loved and in loving them we love the people who lost them and we validate all of that Mm. and I think that's that's part of the beginning of breaking the cycle of all of the stigma that comes with with this stuff oh my god that's like yeah I have chills I'm like trying not to cry because I love that so much I love just like everything you just ended with I'm like sitting in the fetal position in front of the microphone. <laughs> um, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Shallon, for like just your insight and and your story. I think it is it's so special and I I really appreciate what you have to say about like preserving the legacy. I think it's a reminder I need sometimes so much. Um and so this was just this was an important conversation for me today. So Thank you. Well, thank, thank you for having me. And, you know, I, I do just want to say their full names in honor of them. It's Chase Edwards and Aaron Bohannon. Mm. Um, those are those are the people that that got me on here today. Yeah. Um, and they were wonderful. Yeah. Chase was hilarious. Aaron was fantastic. Yeah. So smart. Such big hearted, beautiful people yeah. that made a big difference to the people that they loved and their difference should continue.